think this is funny? Is this a joke to you? Murray, one small thing. Yeah. When you bring me out, can you introduce me as Joker? What you just heard was a clip from Todd Phillips' Joker. And what you're hearing now is two Jokers that are about to talk about Joker on our brand new podcast, Spinning the Reel. I am one of your hosts, Evan. And I am Cody Rote. He's he's also a host. Yes, co-host. Um, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna do a podcast about all the movies we see, but first we thought we should introduce ourselves. Don't get used to it. We're not gonna do this every time. Uh, but why don't you start us off, Cody? Tell us about how you got into movies, what what this is all about for you. Sure, for me, uh, obviously, uh, let's think for a second here. And why I got into movies, it was actually because of you, Evan. Thank you very much for that. I'm touched. I, uh, I honestly don't think I've seen a movie in like two years before I got that uh, AMC theater pass. Like in theaters? In theaters. Yeah. Uh, everything was online. Any big office hit, obviously like Avengers, I think I'd go see with a couple friends. But outside of that, I wouldn't really go and think about any movies. Never really saw like trailers and cared about it. But, uh, you know, middle of summer, you're like, hey, you should really get this AMC pass. Check it out. See three movies a week. Uh, and really enjoy yourself and pretty much I just you know I decided to make the time you see a movie now probably once a week right mm -hmm. and uh, I enjoy it you know I don't really watch a whole lot of TV and to get out there and go see something entertainment wise it's like okay this is perfect you know especially with those new theater reclined seats take a little step back relax oh yeah so, those theater seats do it for you <laughs> these days. I do enjoy that so but yeah I mean it really it really was because of you and now I definitely enjoy with spending time with you and just seeing a movie once a week and now being able to talk about it like this I too enjoy so, seeing a movie once a week yeah but you see a lot more movies <laughs> than I do because you've been at this a lot longer than me that's true yeah so I was one of the not early adopters but the medium-term adopters of a movie pass <laughs> may it rest in peace and uh the last couple of years i've seen a lot of movies i think last year i saw something like 115 movies this year i've already surpassed that and i'm up to one this was 118 for the, for the year for joker for me so uh yeah cody and i go and see a movie every wednesday and we decided that we wanted to share our thoughts or have a better venue to work through our thoughts about the movies that we saw uh, instead of just, you know, giving them a star rating on Letterboxd and moving on. Uh, so that's what this podcast is really all about, is uh, an opportunity for us to talk about movies and uh, do it at a re on a regular basis. Yeah. Uh, before we get into <coughs> Joker, which we will in just a moment, I promise, for anyone that saw the Joker title of this uh, episode and, and clicked on it... Um, why don't you tell everyone, like, what do you look for in a movie? Like, what's your, what's a Cody movie? Okay. For me, like, I've, I've talked about this before. Like, I like one that, like, kind of puts you through, like, the roller coaster, like, of emotions. Like, I'm not all about, like, the story or anything like that. It makes you feel something. It, yeah, it makes you feel something, whether it's sad, whether, you know, like, I definitely enjoy a good comedy. Like, if I can laugh, I feel good. Like, if there's a good cry, like, like Up is, like, one of my favorite movies, and I think it's just because it has that roller coaster of emotion. Disney's probably one of my biggest because they definitely put you on that roller coaster kind of ride. So I'm not one of those, you know, 
heavy critics that reviews movies to that extent of like, oh, this person is like, you know, five star actor, anything like that. For me, you know, animated, not animated. If you if you put me through that like emotional ringer, that that's just something that I feel good at the end of the day. And I, I, I enjoy those movies probably the most. Yeah. So I'm not a hard critic like you. <laughs> yeah, I, it's funny. I go and I, I recommend movies that I like to, to people. And yeah. so like one I've recommended a lot this year is something like Booksmart. I make everybody watch. That was actually the very first movie I saw with the AMC pass because you recommended it. it. You resaw it for me, and yeah, it's still my top five right now for this year. Yeah, super awesome movie. But I was going through my list uh, this year with my parents, and and my Mm -hmm. parents are always looking for something to watch. Like, oh, you watch all these movies. What do we need to see? And I was like, oh, what kind of thing do you guys want to watch? And they're like, nothing like the last few movies you've shown us because they're all sad. (laughs) I'm going down my list. I'm like, these movies are all sad. (laughs) So I I get what you're saying with the the emotion. Yeah, I think more people are just generic, like, right? Like, they just, you want to go see a movie, whether it's with a significant other, you know, even your mom and pop or anything like that. You look for those movies and you tend to lean towards those movies when you're having to go out. Yeah. Not necessarily like what we're trying to do right now and actually dive into the... Right. Yeah. So I think people... People will get a sense of sort of our taste in movies as, as the weeks go on. Yeah. But we thought it would be a good idea just so that way everybody knows who uh, Evan and Cody are, who the host is Spinning the Reel. That's the name of this podcast. So we're going to have to brand integrate here. <laughs> so with that, let's move on to our review of Joker. But where are the clowns? Send in the clowns. Well, maybe next year. All right, Cody, so we just got back maybe half an hour ago from uh, our screening of Todd Phillips' Joker. You might know Todd Phillips as the director of Old School, maybe the director of The Hangover, parts one, two, and three. Uh, but now he's taking a more serious turn in Joker. Why don't you tell everybody what Joker is about? Okay. Well, for me, Joker, Joker for me was like this Joker in specific. Like all the other Joker movies, if you've seen them, I'm sure you have. Joker's definitely a very big nemesis in obviously the DC world. Uh, and I don't even think you'd have to actually see a movie to know who the Joker is, right? I think yeah. a Joker is just a term. Like you, you say Joker and everyone knows who the Joker is. Uh, with that aside... This Joker in particular was, it was an origin story for the Joker for me. And, uh, you know, his upbringing of like how he became the Joker. And I don't think that ever really been, you know, portrayed in any movie that I've seen where the Joker's in it. You know, it's always a Batman movie and he's just there and, you know, he's, you know, he's Batman's nemesis and that, and that is what it is. It's just, he's already the Joker. This one, you know, it's Arthur. That is his name in the movie. That is the Joker. Um, and you just you, you really see his upbringing on how you know he, he's kind of like a, a lonely lost soul uh, no one really sees him he actually there's a, a part in the film where it's like you know if I was dead on the street you'd walk right over me and, and that's really what he was throughout the whole movie is just someone that was there but you just you don't think twice you don't blink an eye uh, and, and it just it brings up and all that emotion of what he's feeling is like why does no one not care about me um, I like the scene 
spoiler alert, so you might want to stop now. Yeah, if you we're, we're going to spoil, <laughs> we're gonna spoil the movie. Shit, <laughs> Joker. So if you haven't seen it, you might want to stop Based now. Based on the box office totals, <laughs> it does seem like most everybody has seen it <laughs> yeah, true, already. So. But yeah, so spoiler warning, if you haven't seen Joker or if you plan on seeing it, um, maybe tune in next week. Yeah. <laughs> But, like, he wants to feel good, right? He wants to feel good, and he does that by portraying what, I forget her name, to be honest with you, in the film, but, like... Yeah, the actress's name is Zazie Beats. I don't think they ever actually... She had a name in the credits, but I don't think they actually named her in the movie. Until, like, obviously about three-quarters of the way through the movie, like, I really thought that relationship was real. They really portrayed it like, okay, wait, he's actually with this girl. Um, and I kind of I, I took it for what it was. I, you know, I was watching the film I'm like, OK, so he's he's got like one good thing in his life. And then it, it gets to about, you know, like three quarters through the movie. And it's like, wait a minute. This whole thing's fake. Like he never was with her, you know. Yeah. And uh, let's zoom out for a second. You want to zoom out? Let's yeah, let's zoom out and, and look at the big picture. OK, so, so essentially the story is an origin story for Batman's biggest nemesis joker correct right and so like you mentioned this guy arthur fleck he is this guy he's a um performer he's a a clown he dresses up as a clown and he spins signs outside of retail places or goes to children's hospitals to cheer up the kids he works at like a -a rent-a-clown place basically yes more or less and the the plot of this movie is essentially like nothing's going right for this guy he's got some mental illness for sure and all these wrong turns take place to the point where he ends up killing some people and he takes on the mantra of Joker essentially. Yeah, he feels good about it. Like it's the first time like in his life, like obviously it, anyone else sees that as a unmoral act, but he sees it as Yeah, know, so let's talk about that right specifically. Thing. The okay. the part where he's on the on the train, he's getting beaten up by random people for the second time in yeah, the movie. Yeah, that's, that's a key note, I think, to note, is first it's the kids, and he kind of takes the beating, right? It's the yeah. beginning of the movie, opening up and stuff. And yeah. I think the second time, because of, like, we've already kind of alluded to, he's always down, no one really looks at him, and these guys start making fun of him, and he's had enough. Right. And he has had enough, and, and so he kills all these people on the train. Correct. Essentially, he kills two of them and then one later. But the point is, he, he kills these people, and he, he sort of takes control of his life for the first time. He feels like he's in command of it. So I guess the, the question that, that's been eating at me watching through this whole thing is we're, we're meant to s- almost sympathize with the Joker in this movie. We're meant to, to feel bad for the things that have happened in his life and sort of come out of it as if this is sort of a triumphant moment did you feel that way did you feel like it was sort of a moment of triumph in the movie well yeah because as the like towards the end when he was on the talk show host and stuff it's like you know who are you to decide what's funny what's not funny what's morally right what's not morally right and stuff like that right and he really got in the sense where it's like yeah i took control of my own life and you know i felt good doing it yeah well so that's one of the problems i think i had with the movie as a whole and i know you liked it a lot more than i did but this sort of idea that if we're sympathizing with Joker, right? If we're sympathizing with Joaquin Phoenix and his character in this in this whole situation, there has to be more justification for the things he's doing. I mean, yeah, he's getting beat up or whatever, right? But like he inspires this whole movement in the movie, right? That's yeah. one of like the main factors in this movie is that all of these people start dressing up as clowns and and chanting kill the rich kill the rich which 
you know, it's not the worst sentiment in the world, but like, I mean, it, it's it's sort of like anti-corporatism in a way, but like to the extreme. But I don't really think that the movie ever backs that up is my problem, right? Is So like Joker didn't kill those guys or, or Arthur didn't kill those guys for any reason other than they were just like being dicks on the subway. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sparks this whole movement and it tries to create this whole thing out of just some random dude killing a random act of violence basically right that saying. inspires this whole thing that and we can get into the whole protest thing in a minute but yeah. i don't i don't necessarily understand the connection between the things you know like none of that was planned it was just oh it killed these guys and it inspired this movement but how does that work right because they're just like three kids if they i mean they went to a nice school i think they said on the the tv and that right? i mean that's what it could be in retrospect right it's a guy on wall street all of them obviously were probably from wall right. street and arthur is a nobody he's obviously not he doesn't come from money mm-hmm. uh, throughout the movie you see that you know his mom which you find out is crazy but you know says that obviously you know the wayne is actually his uh yeah dad and then you know that that sparks the realm of the rich that kind of portrays in that movie yeah but none of that's connected to the people that glom onto this in the first i I think it is though because i think like i think he thinks people feel that way for him and with him for that sake is because it's like yeah i i come from nothing too i'm just like you you know no one cares about us thing you know no one cares about my struggles yeah just like you do and like, why do these rich like you know? He plays it off the, like he's like, oh, they're just clowns. They can't make a name for themselves. And in retrospect, just like in real life, it, it is hard for people to make a name for themselves. Yeah, and it doesn't make them a clown in any you know respect oh, to sure. that. But I think you know that's kind of what I got out of that. Yeah, I think there was that. some good messaging in that for sure. In terms of like, yeah, the people on top are on top not because they necessarily worked for it, but mm-hmm. because they've been given this like opportunity and that the people at the bottom have to fight to get their way up. I get that, but I don't ever feel like there was force behind that in the movie because that's not what the Joker ever intended is I guess my, my whole part of it is I can understand why he is glad that this movement started around him, but it's not anything that he intended. And I don't even necessarily understand how the movement connected to that in the first place these random killings on a train you know saying that just like oh yeah killing rich guys on a on a train is is a good thing or whatever like murder's great yeah like not it they make it so weird because they don't necessarily want you to sympathize entirely with joker which sort of makes sense but then they sort of make villains out of uh thomas wayne as well yeah, they they do portray him as a, I mean, yeah, as a villain. Sure. Yeah, they do, and and so it's sort of like because it adds to that sympathy. Sides. It adds to that sympathy of maybe not necessarily why he did it, but like it adds to his sympathy of right. him as a person. Like, oh man, this guy, like you know, he's just being mean to like not just him, but again, the whole like poor yeah. spectrum. Like, and you guys so are a joke is is Joker's Arthur deserving of sympathy? Do you think in the movie? I mean, obviously the movie I felt grants sympa- him some. I, I felt sympathy for him. And I think I think Todd Phillips wants you to yeah. in the movie, but I, I that was part of the dissonance for the whole thing with me, where I feel you feel it coming mm-hmm. from the movie, like oh feel bad for this guy, but at the same time like he's pretty irredeemable character for the most part. I mean yeah, some bad shit happened to him 
in the movie for sure and like it gets progressively worse they just sort of stack on the yeah. bad shit that happens well, and i think that alludes to him as the character and as the movie progresses right at yeah. first he does the killing and then oh it, it does it, it kind of randomly does spark a movement out of where who knows mm-hmm. but then it's like you know the taxi and he sees the mask on the person and it's like that's one person right and then he goes and kills obviously what like, was I'm his co alone. yeah his co-worker right and obviously back at his house and then, you know, then there's more people involved and more people involved. Then he gets on the talk show at the end of the movie, obviously kills the talk show host. And, and then all of a sudden, you're right, it's just everything he's done that's been basically an act of violence, anything that's bad, he's betrayed to himself that this is this is all good. Like, look, everyone supports me in this. Like, well, not everyone, but, like, yeah, enough there's, people there's have grown behind him. him and more people grow behind him, the more and more he commits these acts and, you know, these acts that, like you said, like, this is the first time like I feel like I've done something with my life. You know, I'm not a nobody. Yeah. And it adds it just it adds that layer and layer as the movie progresses and Right. You start to feel towards the end less sympathy, but as a Joker character, you're like, that's the Joker. Like so that's <laughs> no <laughs> that's doubt what I wrote. That, that so, is like, the Joker. <laughs> so yeah, so like obviously like like I said, you feel sympathy for this guy. I do through almost most of the movie, and then you really get towards the end and you're like, Yeah, that's the Joker. I like that. Like he portrays yeah. a very good what a Joker like is yeah and i like how they got to that point is really ultimately why i like that movie a lot yeah the other thing that sort of conflicted me a bit was um the portrayal of mental illness and sort of the scapegoating of it that like are we alluding in this case to him or do we want to talk about the mom at all um or both or just overall i guess we can talk about the mom but the mom i don't think because she had the mental illness. She did. She did. Well, no, for sure she did. But yeah. I don't. I don't think it really like her character was really much of a statement on anything. I mean, do you think she? I don't think she played a key role in like, other than him finding that you know log and stuff. Yeah, finding the letter and then yeah. and then the log later. Yeah. No, but specifically, I mean, and and this was a common thread throughout. So I mean, the movie essentially opens with Arthur in, in therapy. Yes. Uh, and talking to his social worker. You're right. Uh, and all the medications he's on and sort of it goes from there to he's on the bus and he's got a little card that talks about his condition. And so front and center, they want you to know this guy is mentally ill. And then all this shit happens, right? And and he goes off like and starts killing people. And I think it's sort of an unfair scapegoating of mental illness and it, it, it circles back around again at the end because it's like one of the last things he says on Murray's show uh, when he's on it is he says something like something about mental illness and if you keep treating people like crap like it's you're gonna get what comes to you Mm -hmm. and I I think it's sort of is is excusing violence on mental illness you're right because he the host asked like do you want us to feel sympathy like yeah like you want us to like applaud you for killing people and feel bad for you because it's it's you're perceiving it as a mental illness to a you know well yeah and that's what he says and i just think it's sort of like this idea that like you know if we don't it's like mental illness that kills people and that's not or at least in the the sense that it does in Joker is not the yeah. way that it really works, you know. I think it miscategorizes. It it sort of makes a villain out of the mentally ill in a way that I wasn't super comfortable with. Okay. I I get what you're saying there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it it's sort of the saying, "Hey, you know, like 
any of this stuff could happen to anybody, but because this guy is mentally ill, he's just going to go kill people now. And it's like, that's not really the way. See, these are these deep moments that Evan dives into that I don't necessarily think about when I see a movie, but. Oh, see, that's that's funny because that's all, almost all I could think about. Really, what, from the start of the movie, I'm just yeah. like, man, we're supposed to have sympathy for this like murderer, and then they're just gonna pin it on mental illness as the reason. And it, it it brings me back to sort of the debate about around violence that we have all the time, where it's you know, is it guns? Is it is it mental illness? Is it like all of this stuff? And and so I think this movie sort of firmly takes a stance that like it's mental illness, and that we need to keep the mentally ill in check which is i i don't think like a great sentiment there, there's a lot of things like you brought up um on the on the talk show when he says oh who gets to decide what's funny and what's not funny yeah which in the context of todd phillips the director going from these very very raunchy maybe even like inappropriate for today comedies like old school and the hangover probably couldn't exist the way they do at least the hangover 2 couldn't uh today like you couldn't remake that movie exactly the same way right now um and i think todd phillips even had a comment about it in an interview he did saying that like oh yeah i moved away from comedy because you can't say anything anymore because like you have to it's all this woke culture kind of thing and you can't be funny anymore you're right and didn't you feel that in the movie though yeah I mean, but to go back to that point, too, where it's, like, just like anything, I think, though, like, something that, like, people bring up stuff from, like, 10 years ago, and it's, like, that was comedy back then. Like, that's what it was. Right. And now you're bringing up the past of somebody who, at the time, everyone laughed at that joke, and now it's sensitive information. Right. Right. Yeah. And I don't even mean necessarily, like, oh, let's all pile on Todd Phillips for making transvestite jokes in The Hangover 2. I'm saying that, like... Todd Phillips doesn't feel like he can his brand of humor can work anymore mm-hmm. today, and I think you could feel. You that think that was a way movie. for him to still portray his sense of humor? Then, well, that's an interesting for... question, right? Okay, because because right, he's he's portraying the mentally ill then as obviously the Joker. Yes, Arthur. But specifically as well, another thing I noticed is that there wasn't a lot of humor in Joker. It wasn't a particularly no, wasn't. funny movie, and I I don't think it should have been. No. Because the Joker, obviously, like, he's the Joker. I get it. But it's like, it wasn't meant to be funny. I, I don't think the Joker's ever been funny in any movie for that, you know? Right. So. No, yeah, I agree with that, too. Like, And DC's kind of had a history of being the more serious, which is funny because, actually, like, their most successful movies of late actually have integrated a little more humor. Things like Aquaman and Shazam have been a little funnier. Yes, uh, but yeah, this was not. This had basically no humor in it. Yeah, at all. this was basically going back to like the Zack Snyder um, Man of Steel, like the uh, Ben Affleck Batman, like very, yeah, very. But I mean, that's the same realm though. Soul and he's serious. a Joker, obviously, sure. right? Arch sure, nemesis, yeah. is, you know, Batman's arch nemesis, and it's like you know, but it should I do be, feel it like he the needs same. some levity, and he did put in some jokes in the movie. But I think the problem was, and you could see it with what we were just talking about, how like you can't really be funny anymore according to Todd Phillips but i don't know if you noticed this but all of the laugh lines in the movie were predicated on meanness almost they were mean spirited it was mean spirited humor if that makes sense yeah and i think it needed to be for the sake again of the joker like everyone's against him in a sense like that's what he thought right because they made fun of him they made fun they of made him fu- and the, but they made the, fun of um like but he doesn't see that 
that that that's kind of the point I'm alluding to, just for the sake of this movie as the Joker. Yeah, yeah. Is he just sees everything like, oh, okay, this is going right for me now. This isn't, and then that's like that's he sees the bad in what something he just did. Yes. Like, oh, now they're making fun of me for trying, you know. Right. Because he killed those people. Right. He went on stage exactly. and did his, you know, his stand-up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he thinking he's killing it kind of thing after he gets through the first, you know, his first little laugh and stuff. And yeah. he's like, oh, now they're laughing at my jokes. And he portrays that they're laughing at his jokes. And then he sees the bad. Then he sees the truth, and he sees that as bad, right? They're making fun of yeah, him. Yeah, you're talking about when he's in the uh, hospital room. Yeah, right? when he's in the hospital room, yeah. and he's back on TV, and they show his clip, and you know they want to bring him on, mm-hmm. like you like you just said, to make fun of him, though. Right, exactly. But I think on top of that, not just in, in service of the plot, it's mean-spirited humor. Um, the, the guy, his boss, or the boss's assistant, the guy with dwarfism, um, Pretty much every line that was intended for laughs, and they got some laughs in our in our theater was too. Was to joke at him, was and make fun of making his... fun of the guy for having dwarfism and for not being able to reach the lock, and like yeah. that's the kind of thing that I think this movie was almost trying to comment on, is saying like, oh what, like we can't make fun of of like short people anymore, mm-hmm. like that's not okay anymore, and it's like well, maybe not. I mean, I didn't find it super funny, but I guess some people did. So that was just one of the things that kind of caught me too is like this whole meta commentary about humor in movies now, especially with like the director mm-hmm. involved, and then also at the same time ingraining that same sense of humor in the small doses that he did. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I've talked a lot about why I didn't like the movie. <laughs> did yeah. you want to say anything else about like what really stood out for you? There was some. See, this is what I want to get into was the end of that movie, actually, more than anything that kind of interests me the most. Obviously, like I said, the origin story and everything, we've mm-hmm. kind of already, you know, touched that, of course. And I really like that. I really like that it basically was an origin story of the Joker, like how he, how he got to this point. I haven't seen a movie, obviously, every movie being a Batman movie, where it's just like, where, like, how did the Joker get to where he is? Mm-hmm. That, that's never been talked about, really, never been discussed from what I've seen of films. And I, I, I like that. I like, you know, because the sympathy you maybe feel for him. Like, you know, is Batman a true hero too? Obviously, you always have that argument of how much of a true hero he is. And so now, like, when you rewatch or see another Batman movie, you might just... It makes you second-guess the Joker because of those feelings that mm-hmm. maybe developed from a film like this where, you know, he's portrayed in this way. Yeah. Um, but back to the end of the movie, it was interesting to see or kind of think about I guess what was real, because um, like you said, you the movie started with him, with his, uh, his therapist, with yeah. his therapist, right? He's taking the pills and everything, and the movie progresses and stuff, and you know, towards the end, he dyes his hair and all that, and he really becomes the Joker, right? But then at the very end, he's back in the same asylum, basically, mm-hmm. and he's with another, you know, therapist, and it's like, do you want to tell me the joke? And like, that's how it kind of ends, and he's like, you want to get it, and. It, it makes you think, okay, well, what was real then? Like, did he actually shoot and kill? Obviously, I think so. You think he did? Yeah. Well, and he killed the therapist at the end, too. Oh, because of the feet walking thing right, and all that? Right, blood, blood on his yeah, feet. So. Well, uh, yeah, I assumed, I guess, that either the dye in his hair was either like a temporary dye mm-hmm. or whatever, and he... So you think it, it was all real? It all really happened? I do, yeah. Okay. Because I think... His delusions were more around, like, things working out for him. And, like, Mm -hmm. when he was killing people, it wasn't that things were working out. It was – 
I mean, it very well could have none of it have happened, but at the same time, like they they close with that shot of um, uh, Bruce with his, yeah, his parents, parents being dead. dead. Yeah, and so that's it, what that I think that was actually the scene. I, I agree to that. I really do think it actually happened. Yes, and I, I and that and it was really just that scene. You're like, okay, his parents are dead. It's starting the Batman arc kind of situation. Yeah, I really think that's. So, it. do you think then the whole like angry mobs that were sparked by him killing the guys on the train weren't real? Do you think he didn't kill the guys on the train? <laughs> See, that's where I thought too at first before I saw the end scene was like, you know, that never happened. Like I, I'm thinking, you know, he killed his coworker obviously mm-hmm. in his apartment, and I, at that point, like that's where I feel like he got caught. I feel like maybe he never went on the show. He never eluded those det- like the detectives basically caught him. Yeah, knowing he, he that they did imagine d- being on the show once before. Yeah, yes, and he imagined obviously what was his portrayed girlfriend to make him feel good, like oh someone supports me finally in right, life. Right, right. And so that's where I'm thinking like the detectives actually maybe caught him, and you realize like you killed these three people mm-hmm. and all that, and then, like this is just all going through his head this whole time because at the the end the the you know therapist part of it where he's in the same asylum like. That whole thing was a joke to him, mm-hmm. right? He's making all those killings and everything. Like that's what he wanted to say to the world, is what was on that talk show. Right. And I don't, you know, it's hard to say if that did or did not happen. But I allude yeah. to more. Yes, that did actually happen. Yeah, I think it did. Um, but to the extent of the whole angry mob thing, and like, it, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, they did have it. A lot of it playing so, out in his mind. Yeah. So. Definitely on that. Well, okay, so before we move on to talking about Joaquin Phoenix, uh, because I think we probably should. Yes. I think there's going to be a lot of discussion about Joaquin Phoenix in the the coming months as we get into Oscar season. But I want to touch on the the origin story thing just real quick. Okay. Because as far as I'm aware, in the comics, Joker doesn't have an origin story at all. Like, no one's written him an origin story. He. He and we're not comic not nerds or anything like that, so we really don't know. But yeah, I don't. I, I don't know for sure. Yeah, I'm sure he does. <laughs> as as far as I'm aware, he doesn't. Like okay. from what I've what I've read and been told, like Joker is just so, always there, and he's so you didn't just like the always movie that much, right? The nemesis, yes. So, from the perspective of just an origin story, was it good enough for you? Like for what the Joker is? No, because it was too muddled. Okay. I think that it tried to assign meaning to a character that is purely chaotic and so i i mean in every portrayal that the joker has had before the joker is essentially just this villainous chaotic person that's just out that's to, trying to cause chaos trying to cause chaos and, and make money our, out of yeah. it and and that's that and so to have it be sort of like he sparked this movement through violence i guess it sort of makes sense in character that like that's what joker does he sort of like builds up these followings but i think it was too heavy-handed maybe with all of the like oh he got fired oh this girl never actually loved him and and like all like oh his mom died oh he's adopted oh actually he's he's thomas wayne's son but wait no he isn't and just like all of this like emotional just Mm -hmm. dragging you down deeper and deeper into it and trying to give you all these reasons like it doesn't really add up for like any cohesive reason why he just starts killing random people like if anything he probably should have been experiencing those thoughts and those those feelings before all of this stuff happened anyway and how do and you then, know he wasn't though 
Because they never really indicate that. Like he says, "Oh, I He's have on the medication but bad at the thoughts. very beginning." And... But again, that's scapegoating mental illness again. Really? That's just saying, like, I... "Oh, because he's mentally ill, he's a villain," and it's just like, I will say, I agree to disagree. That's fair. Yeah, <laughs> I, like I said, I think people take are going to take the movie different yeah. ways and everything. And I think more people, I think more people liked it than not. Oh, for sure. Yeah, what was the average right. rating on Letterbox like four out of five? So yeah, that's good. So and it made it made a lot of money. So, so. Um, yeah, but again, like you said, a lot of people like the movie, and for that reason, I think it's going to get a lot of discussion when it comes awards time. And I know you're just started getting into the movie, so this is going to be like your first full Oscar ride. This through, is through this the whole is. season. Um, it's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's just like you you really build up your hope that a movie you love is gonna do well and then yeah. bohemian rhapsody comes and wins the most oscars <laughs> but it is always funny when you see like you know from perspective of me not you know i've seen the oscars obviously of course yeah. before but i haven't seen every movie that's you know been in the oscars of mm-hmm. course and you just see the same films consistently be nominated for like every category and you're just like why is this movie like so special to the freaking world kind right of situation right. so yeah, it is. It is funny. So yeah. this will be my sometimes first. Sometimes they of get some stuff. good ones. Sometimes they don't. But uh, specifically with Joker, it won the I think the award is called the Golden Lion Prize at Venice. So it premiered at this film festival in Italy, and it won Best Picture essentially at this Venice film festival. I don't know if Joaquin Phoenix won Best Actor. He may or may not have. But that that's a pretty good sign that you know this is going to get some attention when it comes award time. And I think a Best Picture nomination is not necessarily out of the question. Um, I, I don't think so. There, there's a there strong were some cool crop scenes of in there. coming up. That, yeah, there were some scenes in that movie, too, that were, like, really cool. Like, the train scene, like, the lighting and all that was yeah, really cool. Yeah, it was definitely well shot. And, yeah, it was really well shot. Yeah, and, the cinematography you know, was pretty yeah. incredible. Um, but I think that one thing that, that we're pretty certain about is that Joaquin Phoenix is going to be nominated for Best Actor. What do you think about that? I I would say yes. <laughs> Why? I, I think I'll allude to the first thing that I think, and one of my friends actually brought this up. Think about like some of these actors who get in really good shape, right? You know, you you've known them before right. from maybe TV series or anything like that, and then they get on the big screen and you know they portray this big masculine kind of you know sure uh, response and. Uh, it's a big deal, right, to get into character like that. Mm-hmm. This dude, <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix, I feel like really got into character. He lost and, like fifty pounds. Yeah, for this he movie. lost yeah. so much weight for this movie. I mean, there, when he's on that bench and you just see his spine like all and the way ribs, down, like, and his ribs yeah. when he's on the couch and stuff, doing his like little dance thing and stuff, and you're just looking at that and going, "Oh my god!" And and again, it alludes to the Joker thing, like. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like that to me is what the Joker should look like too, mm-hmm. to go along with the whole persona that he obviously portrayed in this movie. And that is the thing that he portrayed like that sympathy. Yeah. He, he definitely like feel for me. Like what I'm doing is funny and morally right. Yeah. And I think he did, a, <laughs> he did one heck of a job doing that. Um, to what extent? You know, I don't, I don't know how people are going to perceive that, I guess. Yeah. I like Joaquin Phoenix a lot. I think yeah. he's a good actor, and he is a very physical actor in a lot of the other things uh, he's been in. So, like, um, he was in he was in a bunch of things last year. 
but he did lose a lot of weight, and that matters for Academy voters. Um, the movie I was thinking of is You Were Never Really Here, where he plays sort of like this, um, he's almost like a bounty hunter, mm-hmm. where he goes and just like takes, I think he has a hammer, and he just goes and like kills like Russian mafia and like rescues kidnapped girls. I haven't seen this movie, but that sounds like my kind of movie. Yeah, it's it's on Amazon Prime. It's like 90 <laughs> minutes, and it's like you never see him like do anything, but like you feel like he's just like brutalized all of these people. It's, it's a really interesting movie. Yeah. Is uh, I think Lynn, Lynn Ramsey uh directed that one and it's it's good but yeah he lost all this weight and those physical transformations are it really really tells you like yeah for for i think it tells you he cares right yeah he's getting into the appropriate shape for that role it shows you that that role the best that he can it shows you the work they put into it yeah um i think as like a performance it was it was pretty good I, i wouldn't say i was like blown away with joaquin phoenix like acting in the movie more or less like he was fine i thought he he, you could tell he was a little unhinged Mm -hmm. right which is what you want out of your joker but i i never felt like some of those laugh scenes for sure totally unhinged you know yeah he he had the laugh down though yeah he he had a a good laugh yeah it was a good laugh disturbing laugh yes uh but and i i guess moving on to like the next sort of thing I, i think there's no question joaquin phoenix is going to be in that conversation uh for best picture best actor uh but i think it's really hard for someone to win an oscar in 2019 for the role of the joker after um heath ledger right so i mean we can we can have a conversation about sort of like the best jokers and like where Joaquin Phoenix fits into that where Jared Leto maybe doesn't. But, like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that anyone can really – it's going to take a really special performance to stack up to what Heath Ledger did in The Dark Knight. True. I I, Hands down, I think, like, he was the best Joker. I haven't seen every Joker movie. I know uh, Jack Nicholson obviously was for that – I, I think it's just a matter of like timing, what generation you're from, right? Because I think people would argue, it, it, you know, it could have been Jack at the time, uh, maybe. So yeah, I, I'd I, I be think it is, a, it is a generation thing. I think more than anything, because I think depending, yeah, I'd like be, you ask one of us, I don't think anyone's not going to say Heath Ledger. I, yeah, I'd be interested to, to find out about that and see like what people think that really grew up with the mm-hmm. you know Jack Nicholson um, um, Joker. Or any of the other Jokers, really, and then to see what Heath Ledger did in The Dark Knight, and to win that posthumous Oscar for it. Um, but like, I I tend to think that he's saying sort of, it hasn't been maybe enough of like a gap for this to like happen again. Like, well, it wasn't just, enough of a gap when Jared Leto took over, and it hasn't been really yeah. a long time since Jared Leto was the Joker. That was only a few yeah. years ago. But I more so, I just think that that Heath Ledger reset what it means to be the Joker. Yes. You know, like, he, from whatever picture you had of the Joker before, like, now you picture it and you, or at least I see Heath Ledger and that performance in The Dark Knight. And, like, I, I think The Dark Knight is a Why so good movie. serious? Exactly, <laughs> right? <laughs> True. Like, I, I think those Christopher Nolan movies, like, Batman Begins, I think is great. The Dark Knight, I think, is almost as good as batman begins but i think heath ledger's performance is what like centers that whole that whole trilogy even Mm -hmm. and it's one thing too to 
act and then be the voice because I kind of want to do I do want to get into that Mark you Hamill talk about Mark Hamill yeah you should talk about Mark Hamill obviously when you talk about the Jokers um, voice wise like you said he's been in a crap ton of the cartoon series he's Ooh, voiced over there is another Joker <laughs> I mean he's uh you know voiced over in some of the more modern day video games yep. and stuff and as much as you might say someone is gonna say oh well he he's the Joker he's for sure the Joker mm-hmm. it's hard for me to give that to him. Not from the voice of the Joker, but the perspective of like like you say, when you picture the Joker though, that's who you picture, right? right. Heath Ledger. Because you he, he, that cracked he, makeup, he portrayed that it, blood right? He, going, he was yeah. in person portraying it. It wasn't just a voice. You know, it was his voice and his acting ability of seeing him on screen to say, That is the Joker. Right. And Mark Hamill doesn't necessarily because he hasn't done it. Not saying, I don't know, maybe there's an opportunity that he does do it one day. I think they're actually talking about that, uh, that he would portray. Uh, actual joker he's too old now i just yeah. i don't think he's he good or yeah yeah besides the point though like I, that to me is a, it, it's a big key difference on what would separate obviously a great joker from yeah his, you know mediocre jared leto, <laughs> <laughs> jared leto. they definitely yeah. went in a different direction with that yeah so but to be fair the whole suicide squad was pretty bad so. yeah i didn't i didn't even see it to be honest it was pretty bad i didn't like it yeah so well, so yeah, so that's kind of all the. Did you have any other thoughts about Joker before we talk about anything else? No, I would just uh, if you've already stuck around and haven't seen it, but you got all these spoilers, I'd still go see it anyway. That's that's all I'd really say. I think it's definitely a movie worth uh, definitely worth watching. You know, it's gonna create uh, very polar opinions. So like this podcast so far yeah exactly <laughs> I, I feel like that's going to be a, a common thread through the, yeah the this will be a of... reoccurring theme just so you guys yeah. are aware we don't agree on a whole lot evan and i so uh... that's true our last few movies we've not really been super yeah. in sync on yeah but... actually it's funny in this movie i was like you, you like looked at me and i was like i liked it it's probably a four star for me i'm like so you probably hated it and you're yeah. just like yep so, <laughs> so let, let's close it out with the ranking. So you say four out of five stars. Yeah, my my final ranking is four out of five stars. I'm, I'm gonna go probably like two two out of five seems about right for me. Um, so yeah, so we're about forty minutes here. Let's um just real quick talk about a little tangential thing that's that sort of relates. But one of the things we talked about when we we're playing this out was um, a little fun segment to talk about our favorite super villains on TV and film because. I think that Marvel and DC and like all of these comics have really established these villains as okay. characters. Yeah. But when you're doing it in a two-hour movie or you're doing it over a TV series, it's a lot harder because you want to build up your hero and then he just kind of needs to have a foil that he's going to come in and defeat. Yeah, there and needs to be a reason why he's the hero. Exactly, right? right? And Here's so, someone worse. Here's someone wrecking havoc doing bad things yeah you know morally wrong and you know here long comes your hero to save the day yeah exactly and so one of the major complaints about the marvel cinematic universe for the most part is that their villains have been pretty weak because it's really establishing these heroes having them fight off some evil and then moving on to the next team up or whatever yeah so when it comes to a, a movie or a tv show like what are you looking for in a villain what are some of the ones you like? See, for that's why I think I like the Joker so much. A good villain to me is someone that you can actually care for to an extent, right? They they've built up this. That's why I think like a Daredevil series with uh oh my god, what's the villain in the Daredevil series? Uh, 
uh, shoot, what's his name? Season one. Kingpin. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right? They that they build him up to be like, oh, this guy's not that bad kind of thing. He kind of gets a love interest in that. Yeah. And, you know, he thinks what he's doing again, just like the Joker is like, oh, this is morally right. Like this, you know, this place needs my help kind of situation. Like, right? Needs my help. Like he thinks whatever, whoever the villain is, thinks that they need to help the city or, you know, retrospective where they are in the world. That's like, I need to help. That's interesting. So I agree with you when it comes to Kingpin. Uh-huh. Um, and I think Vincent D'Onofrio does a really good job of playing him mm-hmm. in the Daredevil series. Yes. But the thing I would push back on as it relates to Joker as well is that maybe it's the, the longer time horizon that they have in Daredevil to establish this. Yes, Kingpin believes what he's doing is righteous. He believes that he is in the right, and that makes him compelling in that, in that manner, that he believes what he's doing is, is beneficial to everybody, even if the way he does it is, is not great. The difference with the Joker is... Whether or not he feels that, the movie feels that sympathy for him. If you watch through Daredevil, I don't know, and maybe you can disagree with me if you think I'm wrong here, but I never felt sympathetic towards Kingpin. I understood that he felt like he was doing the right thing, but he was very clearly the villain, and there wasn't really an empathy with his character uh, that was given to him by the show. That makes sense. Whereas this, this Joker, mm-hmm. actually, I don't know that this Joker does believe what he's doing is is right or righteous well, in any it's, way, it's but it weird. makes him feel better. See, it's weird, though, because it's like there is that moral compass for a lot of what I perceive as a good villain. Like, they've played the Joker in multiple movies. Even mm-hmm. the, like, I'm going to go to the Lego movie. Why this hit me right now? Yeah, sure. Is like, no, it's good. It's a good yeah, movie. He's yeah. like, you need me. Like, he tells Batman, like, in the Bat, it's the Lego Batman you, movie. You need a villain. Yeah, you yeah. need a villain. You need me. And he actually, like, right? He helps save the city. Like, oh, we're going to put it back together. And they're, they're, so that they're way at you the can top. Go destroy too. it again. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, in the same thing, it, it seems like villains, I'm going to go now into uh, the Marvel Universe, obviously. And I think timing is important. I think timing is important to the extent of um, it's hard to portray a villain for the first time in a two hour movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go to Loki. Loki's been in multiple films, and I think he's definitely he's gained a following. People sure. like Loki, and he has that moral compass of I'm gonna do this because I think it's right. Although we all know, like it's the same thing. There's a lot of people who might feel sympathy for him, and like you with uh, uh, Trost, it's like no, I don't feel sympathy for him. Like I know why he's doing it, but I don't have sympathy for him for right. doing it. And Loki has that time with you know the Thor movies, the Avenger movies, to like really build his character up. Mm-hmm. And it it would be very hard to portray any villain in a matter of two hours. Right. You know, most people that are going to see these movies have probably read the comics. They know their backstory. They know their origin stories. If there is one, like, we don't know about the Joker. Um, but they have that already going in. Um, and But just in a movie, like, if you just took an outsider who never read a comic or anything like that and said, here's your villain in a two-hour movie – this is the first time they portrayed that villain in a movie. I think it's right. hard, especially to... when they're the minor character yes. up against a hero yes. too. Yeah, because uh, they're going to be in a movie where the hero is that's your main character, True. and then this. Is, but yeah, I, I think timing. I think it is oh, a timing I thing. I think a lot of villains are that everyone enjoys are the villains that you've seen in multiple that have established themselves. Have established themselves in whether yeah. it's a series or whether it's a multiple amount of movies. Because Loki is obviously, I think, another one that I personally like. I like. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like, you well, know. I think Kingpin, like you said, is a great example of mm-hmm. that. But I'm going to give you another one that that's sort of counter to that as well. Okay. But in the same sort of vein, and that's Killmonger in Black Panther. Okay. 
And so I think that it's sort of the same thing as Kingpin in a way, where if you listen to Eric Killmonger talk about, like, basically how he's been oppressed and, like, how his people have been oppressed and how, like, living, growing up in Oakland, growing up in the slums, like, he's not really wrong about the way that the world treats the black community and especially, like, how America treats the black community and how, like, there's this this powerful country of Wakanda that's not doing anything, right? Mm -hmm. All of that's right, and you can see, like, oh, okay, he is sort of just in his cause. He's fighting for the right things, but the way he's doing it is improper. And I think that's what makes a great villain is because... Makes you question your moral compass it, in a sense. It makes the hero question his mo okay. moral compass, and and That's maybe good. it does for the audience as well. Yeah. And I think there was a lot of that like hashtag uh, Killmonger was right kind of thing. Yeah, you look at it, and so Black Panther is basically about um, Chadwick Boseman's character coming in and um, what's his name T'Challa coming in, taking over, and and deciding to like close things off and say we're not gonna help anybody, continuing that tradition. And then Killmonger shows up and says, no, no, you guys need to go out and help the world. Like, you have all this power that you, you should be helping the people that need it most. And initially they write him off because his methods are pretty evil. Like, he's going around killing people. Um, but over time, like, as the story progresses, like, Killmonger, even though he's clearly the villain, and, and they don't necessarily ask you to sympathize with him as a person— it forces you to reckon with the ideas and it forces T'Challa to reckon with the ideas as well. And then he comes out at the end, right, and opens up Wakanda. He says, yeah. we're going to help the world. We're going to open up these, um, what, what are they, like consulates or embassies or whatever in, in mm -hmm. these different communities around the world. And I think those are really effective villains. The ones that, you're right, are sort of driven to do the right thing or, or or think they're doing the right thing but maybe you're doing it in the wrong way that are almost more like anti-heroes than they are villains yeah i agree yeah do you have any other ones that you just like mm. want to shout out that you really liked no not off the top of my head like that yeah i had a, i had a few i, I really like got? um uh Kilgrave from jessica jones i think he's a pretty yeah. compelling villain we're really hitting that dc universe pretty hard <laughs> yeah, I know that yeah, they've just struggled. Yeah, you but know? It, like I said, it's a timing thing. It's it's you build up a character. It's not a two hour film and you're done with it. It's multiple episodes, multiple seasons. And I don't know, man. When they bring out Steppenwolf in the <laughs> Justice League, I don't know. <laughs> just kidding. Well, okay. Well, I mean, I think like we've sort of established what we look for in a villain, and yeah. and I think it sounds like Joker sort of hit on that for you yeah. this time around. And I think Joker's he's. He's one of the most iconic villains yeah, exactly. out there, no matter what realm you're in, right? Because obviously, if we're just going to speak villains, like the next biggest one I can think of is probably Darth Vader, right? Obviously, he's not in either one of those universes, but he's a villain, right? Is he? Yeah, yeah he is. <laughs> Back to the moral compass thing. <laughs> they have cookies. Yeah. <laughs> but like, right, big names, you're just like, sure. oh, I haven't seen that, but yeah, I know who he is, Like, right? And I yeah. think Joker, for that realm of DC Marvel, is that established villain right you, you know you know go up to a grandparent or whatever more so like, than hey, anyone you know, in the marvel the joker? universe oh yeah. yeah yeah it's the joker like it's just an established name so yeah exactly it's been but, done so many times that just people are aware of it yes yeah well awesome cody do you have anything else you wanted to mention with uh villains or the joker or 
No, I'm I'm good. You're I'm good, good, man. Okay. That was a good uh, first podcast. Great. Yeah. Well I done. I'm it. really proud of us. Me too. All right. Well, thanks everyone that that tuned in for uh, checking out Spinning the Reel. Uh, if you found us on iTunes or Google Play, please leave us a review or a rating. And uh, we hope to see you all next week when we'll be talking most likely about Gemini Man. I think Gemini Man. Gemini Man is probably going to yeah. be what, what we talk about next Wednesday. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll catch you next week.